0: Won't punish the guilty. He will. He defends the innocent. But if you are guilty, he gives no warning and shows no mercy. Dolph Lundgren, Lewis Gossett Jr.,
1: Mr. P., happy hunting!
0: The Punisher. Justice with a vengeance.
1: Ciao, people, and welcome to our 145th episode of Happiness and Darkness, the superhero movie podcast. We discuss superhero movies from Marvel, DC, Dark Horse, Image, and more. Naturally, there will be spoilers, folks, so you have been warned. I'm one of your co-hosts, DJ Nick, and returning to the podcast with me is the one, the only, Mr. Joe Ferris. Hey, Joe, how are you, and welcome back.
0: I'll operate under my own seam, thank you. <laughs>
1: very nice very nice indeed this is one of the reasons why we love having you and of course uh, yeah your wonderful partner christine peruski with us on this podcast because you guys always know how to make an entrance i will say so of course today we are discussing the punisher from 1989, this was directed by Mark Goldblatt, who hasn't really done much directing. He's actually more of a filmographer. This film was written by Boaz Yakin, while the original scores by Dennis Dreyf. And to put it into today's money, this movie cost $21 million to make. Because you don't really have sort of the returns, because let's say they were poor at best. Anyways, let's get to, let's get to general impressions here, Joe. What did you make of this Punisher? Wow. Just wow.
0: This movie just doesn't feel much like a Marvel superhero or anti-hero movie. Uh, The version of The Punisher comes off as bland, boring, and underwhelming. Uh, Low production values, direction, odd choices made for a confusing and unnecessary film that should not have been considered for release. Even at the time, Uh, everything from the 70s inspired intro that feels completely out of place uh, to the random shots of our main character kneeling nude in a New York City sewer covered in baby oil just screams WTF mate. If I had to give one word review for this film to someone on the street, I would just tell them don't.
1: Yes, I definitely agree with this was a very, very strange one. Indeed, I had actually forgotten that we got naked Dolph Lundgren in this film. I think probably my brain had removed it because uh, I had been been rather traumatizing. But yes, it's very weird, you know, kind of in hindsight, seeing the number of punishers we've seen kind of come and go from Thomas Jane, of course, to uh, recently John Bernthal and others. And this was kind of somewhat in the middle. And I agree with you, that opening scene I was like, it looks more of a TV show to me than a movie, just the way it's being done. So I, once again, I wonder whether this was supposed to be a pilot for a TV show, because just the way it was shot might have been, even though I don't know if Dolph Lundgren would have been open to going from cinema to TV at the time, seeing as TV was not yet, you know, the big thing is these days, you know, with your Netflixes and all this kind of stuff. So I don't know, but it was very odd. And just the way it played with these kind of Technicolor shots of the Punisher shooting glass. It very <laughs> much like, okay, this is episode 422, you know, or something. It, it was, right. it was very, very weird. And I agree with you. It was just this movie. I'm not saying it didn't make any sense, but it just kind of ran by very quickly. And mm-hmm. by the time it was over, I mean, this movie is an hour and uh, an hour and 30 minutes. So yes. I thought to myself, wow, what happens? It's, over already it was just I don't know and there were moments like you where I was very confused about certain choices but I'm sure we'll mm-hmm. get into it more when we, we do get to our characters so let's do so by kicking off with our titular character the April mentioned Dolph Lundgren as Frank Castle the Punisher so Joe you know you've recently been on to discuss Dolph as He-Man did mm-hmm. he do better as the Punisher oh
0: no <laughs> no and I don't at all blame Dolph Lundgren for it. I think this is definitely a case of direction and writing that really messed everything up with his character in particular. But I will say though, Frank Castle 5 o'clock shadow Elvis with a subtle hint of Edward from Twilight. And that came from Christine specifically, I had to say it. Uh, It's a very weird look for uh, Dolph Lundgren himself, but also the Punisher just does not look like a character you would expect in a superhero film. He has got a weird combination of this dark makeup with lighter makeup that's supposed to kind of make it look like he has a skull on him because, you know, they're missing certain things from the comics. And yeah, but again, poor Dolph. He just really couldn't catch a break after Rocky IV. Previous movie that we were talking about, this movie, yeah, but I don't blame him. Like I said, it's definitely a director slash writer problem with this. Who to blame more? I'm saying everybody. But he did turn out very mundane, very boring. Uh, and the backstory is also very weird because we get a quick newscast and like a couple flashbacks in the movie of, you know, that a car blew up. That's how it killed his family. Okay. Why? Well, we kind of find out later on that was, you know, uh, a mobster that did it. But again, why? Don't know. Okay, cool. Uh, it just happens. You know, mobsters, they just do things like that. I mean, it's maybe it was to Thursday or Tuesday. I don't know, whatever's on their schedule. Um, then, you know, we also find out that he's a uh, New York City officer detective, which is a little strange because he's very over the top like he's actually had much higher levels of training which we've seen in other variants of the punisher where he's military trained and that's why he's so great with weaponry or he's really good with strategy this he's just he's a cop or a detective woohoo yippee it just does not feel like he should be able to do as much that he came from nothing to a cop and but he's able to be better than probably 90% of the military at the time I guess
1: um,
0: and then you know his wonderful decision to just start going murdering bad guys because they're guilty which that's technically what he does but in this they really don't give a reasoning as to why his choice is to be this um, but the I think the most baffling choice in this movie is the aforementioned in the sewer Not just the the intro that's weird with him being naked in the sewer, but just him choosing to live in the sewer. Couldn't he have found an abandoned warehouse somewhere? Why did it have to be the sewer? It just, that made no sense at all, why he had to be. Obviously, we find out in the movie that they couldn't find him, and then someone else figures it out. But, eh, I don't know. I think maybe this, this film character were definitely produced in the wrong era. I think that's one of the bigger problems with the film as a whole. If this were produced later on, maybe after Blade or something when the actual, they start figuring out how to make a good quality movie, it probably would have done better, but just, it was the wrong era for The Punisher to come out, just because it felt watered down and almost felt like a 80s cheesy one-liner action hero instead of a deeper character that he actually has been shown to be in other flavors of the punisher.
1: I very very much agree with you and you know, and to your point of it being, you know, 1989, I do think they were trying to mold him into those action heroes which had pretty much been the stars of the 80s and also the 90s. So I'm thinking that's the flavor they were going through was kind of before we're like, Oh, these characters can actually have depth and they can actually have a real good story behind them. Case in point, you know, I, I mentioned, uh, even, even the Thomas Jane version, at least for those who are not familiar with the Punisher there, they explain the backstory super well because we literally see his family being gunned down at the wedding at a wedding. And so we know why, uh, Frank feels the way he does in that version here, I guess they either assume or through flashback, they tell us that what, what happened to Frank and his family. But it's very messily done and it's not particularly well organized. I and mean, we get these kind of flashbacks that he has when he's kind of driving and he has almost like these waking nightmares. So I suppose we're supposed to understand that he is a troubled man, and a traumatized man. But... It's just very, it's not particularly done in a in a homogenous way and in a way that we can kind of understand, oh, poor guy, he's having these terrible nightmares and, you know, he feels so so traumatized by this experience. And it's a shame because you had had films like Rocky, first, no, sorry, Rocky Rambo, First Blood, which, okay, is an action film, but by the end of the film, we sympathize with, with John Rambo because of what he's been through and what, you know, the war did to him. I, I, it's very strange to say, but I actually think that the folks with, who did Rambo First Blood actually did a better job with describing that kind of character compared to what they did with Frank Castle because the two, I think, are not that different in no. it to a certain extent. I mean, they're both men who've experienced terrible trauma and they're both, you know, very experienced in, you know, handling weapons and and have a certain sense of justice. And so it would have made more sense of this is why the Punisher has been doing what he's doing. So, I don't know. I don't think they particularly got the the Frank Castle character and uh, they're like, oh yeah, it's Dolph Lundgren, let's just give him some guns and some fancy stuff, get him on a motorbike a la Terminator and just have him driving down the city, just killing people because, you know, he wants to be a vigilante, so... I don't know it was just uh, it, it upset me it really did I hoped for better I really I was like I remember this movie being bad but I, I forgot it was this bad especially came to this character but uh, anyways uh, so uh, anything you would you wanted to add when it came to um, Frank Castle before we move to our next bunch of characters uh, Joe uh,
0: again I just I really wish they would have did a little bit more like you said even compared to Rambo, this definitely feels very watered down and it almost felt like the they were trying to push Dolph Lundgren to be the next big character or at least the next big actor when it comes to action. But unfortunately, they just kept throwing him into these movies that just were half baked or at least just not very well thought of in the pre-production sense or the properties were just not big enough at the time. Punisher might have been big in the comic sense, but not many people probably knew much about him. Uh, The previous movie, He-Man by 89 or 87, I think it was 87. It came out. It like it was pretty much over for the most part with He-Man. Like there was a, maybe a, a later series that came out around that time, but the original He-Man was already out of syndication. It was just in reruns. It was over. So he just kind of think he got dealt a bad hand.
1: I definitely think so. And of course, in classic um, action hero fashion, he he has his one liners and he just has these kind of very dark stares at people. He never really gets to really talk much. So he's just like, you know, your Schwarzeneggers, your Stallones. And heck, dare I even say it, for people like Kurt Russell's Snake pliskin, where he's very much just like, you know, spouting off these one-liners, like telling people to, to go F themselves or other such things. I'm so like, okay deep character let's see if it gets any better with our ancillary characters so let's get to our two buddy cops in this and frank's thespian friend we have louis gossett jr as detective jake berkowitz nancy eberhard as detective samantha sam leary and barry otto as shake so what did you make of this tremendous trio joe
0: oh this is definitely a trio uh we're going to start with Jake, I guess. He is definitely our hardened detective for this movie. Very stereotypical. Uh, he's got history. He's got attitude. But what else is there? Not much else, really. Uh, if you ask a random person to describe a cop in a movie or a detective, he would fall into that category. Just His character is just written in the books that way. Uh, I'm not sure how much Louis would got wrangled into this role like how much he got paid but man he did his best with it i i don't i think he was probably maybe the second best acting character in the whole um movie itself but again he didn't have a lot to go with in this character not to work with uh if maybe the writers could have maybe condensed down the characters a little bit maybe they could have worked it a little bit better but that's okay i guess uh but one thing I do got to say about him, though, is who eats floor pizza standards, man, standards. I mean, seriously. Uh, now, Sam, Sam, Leary, who? Oh, right. The qualified female that barely gets much notice in this film. She's a computer nerd. Cool. Uh, and she's really good at exposition. Really good at it. Uh, I know this era of movie uh, oh, didn't always give females equal shots uh, as the character itself or as the actress, and she did fairly well for the role that was given to her, but she had almost nothing to work with. Uh, she had some of those stereotypical, you know, I'm the scrappy underdog and I'm, I'm working my way up, but it didn't really matter in the end. They barely even used her. She was like a scene, a scene, a scene, a scene, the end. Uh, maybe they could have given her more time to investigate Frank at a deeper level. Maybe use the computer more. They did show a computer um, briefly, not actually using it for its intent purpose, but it was there. Uh, MS-DOS, I don't think they had much internet usage back then, so, you know, whatever. But it was fun uh, to see that the technology at the time that was being used. Though, again, similar to her, it wasn't utilized very well. Now, my favorite character in this whole movie, Shake. First time he came on screen, I laughed. The second time he started doing more, I laughed even harder. This is the best character in the whole movie. I don't know why he's the best character, because he's not the main character. Um, He's a down-and-out theater actor that is moonlighting as Punisher's man on the street. Uh, This has to be just i don't know uh he's over the top uh he's delightful and very much needed to break up the monotony of this movie and he was just a joy to watch and listen because his delivery everything about him is just on point uh he rhymes when he talks um it's and he talks as if he's auditioning for a part in hamlet or something similar anyway uh I don't know why they chose him to to act this way. I guess because he's an alcoholic on the streets. He's a former theater actor. I guess he's a thespian. What the hell's a thespian? You know, type of thing. Um, And I do want to point out something. He's very similar to Trevor in Iron Man 3 and Shang-Chi because he's got this acting background and he's just there he acts outrageous and it's most probably sit there and go why is this necessary well obviously trevor acted the way he did because he was acting as a character but in this one he just is uh it but shake though and is there a prime... you can
1: afford to get ben kingsley so it is yes. ben kingsley
0: after all <laughs> Yes. Uh, I will say Shake is a prime sidekick, though, in this. Um, He falls into that very well. Um, At one point, he's used uh, to try and persuade Frank to reveal some information to uh, our main female villain that we'll get to later on. And, you know, that's very much what a big bad character would do to a female or a, a hero companion. And yeah if anything they should have just left all of the humor to shake and just killed all of punishers one-liners and jokes because i think that would have really improved everything in this movie
1: here's the very the very terrible thing i don't know whether it's I, because i've watched too many movies and probably i have watched too many movies but um the dialogue in this was incredibly predictable i mean there were moments when case in point when uh, when frank gets tortured you know and they're like are oh, you are going to give us a name i, I said OK, QFU. And there it went. You know, so I, I knew it was coming. And there were so, fr- so many moments many moments. was like, oh, come on. I could have written this script. And I'm not even an, a, a script writer. You know, so I'm not even a decent writer at that. But uh, going to these characters, it's interesting that you made that comparison with, uh, with, the, with the Ben Kingsley character from the MCU. The, here's where this movie reminded me of Judge Dredd. The one with Sylvester Stallone, because, mm-hmm. um, should we say that um, Sam kind of reminded me a little bit of the character uh, of, uh, of of, of a Her- Judge Hershey, who is trying to prove herself, you know, to dread saying, you know, I'm good at this. He's like kind of. Pushing her to the side and everything else, so I kind of got that vibe from her. Granted, and this is crazy to say, she was better developed in Judge Dredd than she was in this. And Judge Dredd is not necessarily a groundbreaking movie, but no, um, it wasn't. <laughs> no, I mean, I you know I loved it as a kid, but you know, in mm-hmm. today's eyes, I'm like, nope, uh, that was definitely not a good movie whatsoever. But that was when that was one character, and also um, the Barry Shake reminded me of what Rob Schneider had done. Also in Judge Dredd. But I think, funny enough, Barry Otto is better than Rob Schneider because Rob Schneider kept getting on my nerves so much during the course of that film with his whining and stuff. Whereas Shake, right. you actually appreciate him. I mean, I get that the, maybe the rhyming could have possibly gotten on people's nerves, but heck, mm-hmm. he's a Shakespearean actor. Yes. A lot of Shakespeare was written in rhyme on purpose, so folks didn't forget their lines. Because obviously we know how complicated Shakespeare was. So he would help his actors by writing, obviously, in rhyming couplets. Our two our two cops. I asked myself, what is the point of these two cops? Because we could have just had the police force as a whole against the punisher saying, you know, oh, we don't like this guy, kind of like Batman, if you will. I guess they maybe wanted to do the whole. Commissioner Gordon Batman relationship possibly because from what we gather Jake was Frank's old partner and was the guy who kind of got him out of uh, alcoholism he helped him defeat alcoholism when he got on the force so he's depicted as an amazing guy and everything else but you never really get you know fully developed relationship between Jake and Sam because Sam's like yeah you know and just the way she gets the job She just says, you know, uh, I believe Frank Castle's alive. That's all it takes to get to become Jake Berkowitz's partner. Okay.
0: (laughs) And also he told her to come around by uh, nine o'clock and it was two o'clock in the morning. So seven hours. Good job, dude.
1: (laughs) Yes. So I don't know. And then they don't really get much of a resolution by the end of the film because we kind of see them here and there. And we do, of course, see Jake being a great cop and kind of escaping from being kind of kidnapped by Tanaka's people. But other than that, I don't know. Like you said, Sam is literally one of the few good positive characters when it comes to the women who gets literal, literally nothing to do in this, other than be look incredibly, you know, clever and say, Oh, I can do stuff. I'm the young scrapper who will be an amazing cop. But she never gets any sort of reward by the end of this movie, which is why I almost thought, is this a pilot for a TV show? Will we be seeing Mm. Berkowitz and Leary's relationship develop in future episodes? Because that's what it also felt felt like. Wonder how long the film was. It very much you know kind of screamed pilot to me because a 90 minute film, we get those, but they tend to be either animated films or things of that nature. So it seemed a little bit strange. Yeah, I was not particularly happy with these. As much as I think Louis Gossett Jr., it can be a good actor if he wants to be, but they were just written poorly. The, the Shade character was the best, who I think was kind of a stand-in for microchip. That's something that I've never understood is when people do mm. Punisher films, they never, they very rarely bring the microchip character into the films or the TV shows. Right. They did later on, but I wonder where this was maybe a stand-in for microchip. And it would have mm, made, made more sense as like, I'm a thespian, but I also have skills elsewhere. You know, I can be you know, good with computers and such. So it seemed a missed opportunity with the way you could, they could have possibly had microchip. But anyways, that's, uh, that's the way I see it. So it's, let's, let's round off our stellar cast with our two big bads. We have Jerome Crabby as Gianni Franco and Kim Miyori as Lady Tanaka. So, Joe, what did you make of these two? <laughs>
0: Well, Mr. Franco here. Move over, fellas. We got ourselves a good old fashioned mob boss. Uh, he's generic and uninspired. He's somehow a victim in a Punisher movie, which was a very strange thing that they wrote into this. I feel as though if they would have cut down on the villains, uh, instead of having two big bads, just have one big bad doing everything as a whole. It would have made for a much better flowing movie because not even halfway through the movie, we have a tonal change and we have a, a big villain change to where who is the bad guy right now? And just like, why? Why did we have to have two? Why couldn't we have condensed it down or something um, like like I was saying, though, it, there's well, technically, there's two points where it changes almost totally because towards the end, it becomes like a buddy cop. Kind of because you get Franco and Frank, weird combination there, a mob boss and the Punisher going to save the mob boss's kid. That that whole storyline was just weird. Um, it was just, it came out of thin air. I wasn't expecting it when I was watching this movie. I just... But in general, the, the mob boss character, uh, Franco, just did not do anything for me. If anything... They could have cut him out and just stuck with our lady Tanaka, which was actually a much better overall uh, bad character because she actually had a real motive to want to do something. She, as she was, you know, kidnapping children so that she can get the other uh, uh, bosses to work under her and getting their money and running illegal gambling areas. I mean, she had an actual plan going on. But she definitely does feel a little mustache-twirling villain at points. Um, So, outside of that, though, just, yeah. The one thing that was brought up with uh, Lady Tanaka specifically was that she adopted a girl, a a mute American girl, as her daughter. And then, apparently, she turned into an assassin to protect Lady Tanaka, her mother. It's there it doesn't really get talked about much. She just kind of fights a few times and then she's done though. She's got some interesting weapons. She's got, you know, little balls with like nails sticking out of them. She throws them in some guy's neck. Uh, she's got these little blades that like switch blade out of the bottom of her boots. that so she can kind of stab people in a weird roundhouse kick way. Inventive, I guess, but just the character was just kind of brought in and then killed off. Cool. I think if we, again, with the whole you get rid of Franco, Love Lady Tanaka, you could have maybe got a little bit even more when it came to that character itself. Uh, at the mute character. Just in general, it would have definitely made everything flow better and would have probably helped the story from just kind of going up and down and then just being dull throughout the whole thing, no matter where it was going up and down.
1: Yes, I agree. And I think... If you have two villains, you might want to make your movie a little bit longer, though maybe the budget didn't allow for them to maybe add another half hour to this film. I could have seen this film easily being two hours long. Easily. I mean, uh, you know, with a little bit more character exposition, maybe develop your characters a little bit more and all this kind of thing. Mm. But I agree. I guess they had Franco around because he was the guy or the the Franco family was responsible for murdering Castle's family. So Mm -hmm. I guess that's why that was there. But yeah, it it would have actually been really cool had Tanaka kind of swooped in and killed off everybody, Franco included, and just taken over organized crime within the city. So And that way you have, you know, our big boss is Lady Tanaka at the end of the day. And I will also say worst death ever. I mean, it was so underwhelming how Lady Tanaka was killed because you have this very high tense moment where Lady Tanaka is, I believe holding um, Franco's son at at a knife point or, or what have you. And he's kind of pointing a gun at her and he's like, you know, I'll kill you and I'll kill your son. And then out of nowhere swoops Frank Castle and shoots her between the eyes. I'm like, Yes, why? But uh, <laughs> I, because he's got guns, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. I would have expected more of a fight because we'd seen Lady Tanaka actually have fighting skills. So you could have had the almost obligatory showdown between her and Frank Castle to where you know Frank Castle maybe saves the kid or does causes some kind of distraction where. Um, you know, Franco's kid gets away and Frank's like, you yeah, know, okay, get the hell out of here. And the two of them just square off kind of like he did with uh, Tanaka's bodyguard. So that right. would have maybe been made for a more interesting kind of situation. And speaking of Lady Tanaka, I think she would have made for a much more formidable villain had she literally had the, the, the villain side of this film to herself because the, between the torturing of Frank Castle. She's the only one who was actually able to capture Frank Castle, granted for like a very brief period, but she did catch him. And the havoc that she has, that she wrought on the city and during her brief spell as one of the, the, the overlords here was, was great. But I was just so underwhelmed by the, by the way she was killed. Like, really? Is that it? Like, Come on. But, uh, but, uh, no much it this was this was as i said it was a bad bad movie and um and i'm so glad we got better versions of the punisher later down mm. the line indeed right. and uh, and actually speaking of which um joe i know you, i know you you have not you're not a fan of this movie either but mm. would you have liked it had it been a little bit longer or were you happy that it was like 90 minutes and that's it
0: i agree with you that if this movie were a little longer it would have worked out a little better because they could have fleshed things out a little more instead of just mm-hmm. cut to this cut to that without much in between to connect everything um and then maybe we've gotten a few more scenes with our ninja yakuza uh, martial arts guys that are sliding down on their knees on uh, swoopy slides at a uh, abandoned uh, amusement park that was fun to watch
1: yeah yeah And I wonder what the sequel would would have looked like, whether it would have been Franco's son growing up and then holding a vendetta against Frank Castle, which was very Kill Bill, if you think about Mm. it, because Frank was like, I could kill you now because I know you'll probably come after me later. On I'll be waiting for you. And he literally traumatizes his kid saying, "If you mm. ever, already, you still bear a grudge, I'll be waiting for you." And, right. But how old is Frank gonna be at that point? I don't even know if he'll be able to ride a motorbike by the time that kid is old enough to take over. You know. So, I'm so like, optimistic, he'd be, Frank. Um,
0: he'd be instead of the puncher, he'd be the geriatric. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes, exactly. So that did seem a little bit odd to me, but I guess I guess this is what we got. And I actually had forgotten to ask you this, um, Joe. But were you have you been a fan of the other iterations of the Punisher? You know, I, like I said, either John Bernthal or Thomas Jane or, or other actors that have taken on this role.
0: Um, I've enjoyed the other ones. Uh, Thomas Jane wasn't too bad. Um, that one at points he had a little bit of slowness with his movie but overall it was a much better film. Um, And then he did a short that was pretty good for the Punisher. It wasn't really called the Punisher, but it was basically the Punisher. And I really enjoyed the Netflix show. That's Mm -hmm. the one I really enjoyed the most because it felt probably the best interpretation. It felt the most authentic uh, of how I would expect the character to be. I haven't really read a lot, a lot of the Punisher comics. I've read a few here and there throughout the years, but that show, I think felt the most realistic of the current time. And Mm -hmm. it, to me, just, it felt more how I would have wanted in my head, the Punisher to turn out, Uh, you know, the, the better writing, the overall story where it's not too over the top with um, uh, the, the different uh, characters. Like there were a decent amount of villains in those in that particular Mm -hmm. series, but they gave everybody time to breathe and do their own thing
1: mm, i very much agree and the you know, seeing as we have gotten certain characters from the netflix world back like you know mm. charlie cox in spider-man no way home uh, would you like to see this you know john bernthal reprise his role as the punisher in the mcu or heck even see another punisher movie starring john bernthal Oh, I would
0: definitely like to see him as uh,
1: the Punisher again.
0: Um, I read somewhere that he actually said he would love to come back and read, uh, you know, continue on with his Punisher. Mm. So, if he comes back, I will definitely, definitely watch whatever they bring out. If it's more show, movie, anything, or maybe even just cameos and other ones, it doesn't matter what.
1: Oh, you and me both. I'm definitely hoping. Seeing as, as I said, we've gotten you know Daredevil we know that he mm-hmm. exists within the MCU so i'm hoping gradually the rest of the other, these characters will be brought in so mm-hmm. back to back to this movie joe getting right. to ratings what <laughs> do you give this movie out of 10
0: oh i give this 2 out of 10 little trucks delivering booze because oh, wow. yeah i while yes i did enjoy the character of shake and i f- and def- some of the action scenes weren't terrible, especially compared to maybe some other action movies at the time that were part of lower budget, maybe Canon Films or even any other brand at the time. But it's a bit of a dreadful movie overall to watch. Uh, it's And you can't even look at it as funny bad. Um, I really wish we could have because it, it really would have been that way. But the fact yeah. that he doesn't don his signature white skull shirt but they replaced it with little skull-capped knives for some reason. I don't know why they did that. Um, The fact that Frank Castle turned into a one-liner barking action hero of the 80s, like you mentioned earlier, random weird things happening. Like the Yakuza training room is like a mad fury of training going on, but then when the elevator hits, they're all like ready at attention. It's like, wait, why was that necessary to put in the film? Or the one that confused me to no end... Uh, the one doctor that was going to torture Frank and Shake after Lady Tanaka left. And, you know, Frank gets out and they put him on the rack. Then they show this doctor and he's wearing red women's high-heeled shoes for some reason. Never explained. It is the most random thing I've ever seen in a movie. I don't know. It's just... It, it, that just it broke me when I first watched it I was like wait I rewound it multiple times looking for a reference to this and just never saw anything it's almost like this was supposed to be deleted or there was supposed to be something that was deleted just done just there cool um maybe maybe if they would have cut this better than this movie maybe if they would have expanded upon characters like uh, jake and sam uh maybe cut down on the villains a little bit might have been better but at the end of the day maybe i'm asking too much from a pre-superhero movies are good now movie
1: well here's the very strange thing you and i are actually in sync because i'm also going to give this two out of ten because i think it was god awful and you can actually make great movies with a very low budget even in the 80s case in point recently on this podcast we reviewed the toxic avenger granted it's a it's a trauma movie so Mm. as i mentioned on that episode you know you're going to get a lot a lot of boobs and a lot of blood and guts but it tells a very sincere story and there's a lot a lot going on underneath the gore and breasts there really Mm -hmm. is something potent and a, and a guy you can literally get behind and support in, in Toxie. So mm-hmm. I think I think Troma is an excellent example of you can you can literally make a movie for Tuppence and actually make a good movie which looks silly. Whereas yes. here you have a better budget but you can you make kind of a crappy movie. So I just could not support this character. I'm like, okay, he's the carbon copy that we've seen throughout the 80s and they just slapped the name Punisher on him. So, yeah, I'm so glad we we got better as things progressed because I was a big fan of this character in the comics and especially the, um, should we say, the dichotomy between him and Daredevil, whereas Daredevil is very mm. much the law-abiding guy. It's like people are, are deserve a fair trial and the Punisher's like, they're guilty, they must die. So that was always yes. something I loved about, Mar- about the Marvel comics when it came to these two characters. But yeah, here, terrible, absolutely terrible. So it's a 2 out of 10 for me as well. S- go ahead. Okay, <laughs> but speaking of which, though, let's get to recommendations Ooh. then. For those who might have gotten some enjoyment out of this, Joe, what do you think they maybe should check out? I think they should
0: maybe check out a little show we talked about earlier. It's uh, I don't know. It was on Netflix. It was made by Netflix. Uh, the Punisher TV series. It was uh, two seasons. Uh, it was only just a little bit better, just, just a tiny bit better. Yeah. Uh, Though, if you're here in America, it's it's a little weird. Uh, it's not available on Netflix anymore. You got to go on Disney Plus. Why? Uh, you know, rights holding, I guess. Uh, but I will say that John Berthol, I feel, does the Punisher justice, pun intended, uh, when it comes to that show. So definitely, if you somehow enjoyed this movie, go watch a better version.
1: I'm right there with you and I'm actually going to, going to say, definitely check out the the netflix tv show folks or now disney plus tv show depending on what part of the world you're in because it's Mm -hmm. definitely worth it worth it for sure i did definitely recommend tons of punisher comics which uh, you can find on the other uh, movies of the Punisher that i have recommended because i hate repeating myself to you good folks so i'm not going to do that but uh, i will add if you can find it check out the punisher video game from way back when where which was one of those side scrolling beat-em-up games where you could play either as daredevil or the Punisher. And it's very much in the vein of this. In a sense, if you just want to run around and shoot people up and beat them up, etc., just to, to take enjoy this, this great, great game that was the Punisher and Daredevil. So that's going to be my recommendation for you. So I guess that's our movie, folks. And of course, if you want to share your thoughts on the movies we discuss here, or if, like Joe, you want to take the plunge and join us here on the show to discuss a movie, you can do so by shooting us an email at happinessanddarknesshow at gmail.com. Feel free to share your support by giving us a like on Facebook, where you'll find us as Happiness and Darkness. Follow us on Twitter at High Darkness Pod. Also, if you'd like to support the podcast and feeling generous, you can check out the great tiers we have going on Patreon. There you'll be able to... Pick films that go outside of what are considered regular superhero movies like Road to Perdition or I Kill Giants or 300, or even films which inspired comics such as the Aliens franchise, Robocop, Terminator, and more. Check all that out and join our army of patrons. Head on over to patreon.com slash happinessanddarkness, and a big, big thank you to our wonderful patrons for their support. And Joe, when you're not here discussing terrible superhero movies with me, where can folks find you? Well, they can
0: find me on Twitter at Reusable Cloth. And then they could also find me, like we've said, uh, talking about terrible and not so terrible movies on this wonderful podcast listening to right now, Happiness Darkness. There's a list, a bunch of green movies, a bunch of non green movies.
1: You'll find me somewhere. Well, Joe, I definitely promise the next time you you come on here, we'll have you discussing a half decent movie. That's a promise. Oh. <laughs> so- Yes So yeah And there are definitely Hopefully some good ones In the works so, uh, so we'll get you on For one of those And of mm. course When it comes to me folks For you country music lovers I can be found Hosting the radio show Whiskey and Cigarettes From where we play Today's country, traditional country And everything else in between And more about that Visit our website Whiskeyandcigarettesshow.com Podcast wise If you are fans Of Best Picture winners Myself Zan Sprouse And Rachel Friend Can be found on Gold Standard The Oscars podcast Where we're discussing All the Best Picture winners In chronological order, and that we just actually left the 70s and are going into the 80s. In fact, next week, we're going to be discussing Ordinary People from 1980. Also, uh, if you are fans of superhero TV shows, you can find myself in Charles Skaggs on the Fandom Zone, where we started discussing the latest MCU TV show, Miss Marble. And uh, if you're fans of Titans or Doom Patrol, you can find myself in Charles on Titan Talk, the Titans podcast, as we wait For the new seasons of titans and doom patrol and speed things to come on this show next time we'll be taking on the 1951 lee sholem film superman and the mole men that said when it comes to you joe thank you so much one and i definitely of course uh, thank you so much and definitely look forward to having you back very soon
0: Thank you for having me on and uh, we're definitely got to find out what movie you're talking about because I haven't found a movie uh, that hasn't been done already. That's been good. (laughs)
1: <laughs> well we might have to keep you uh, should we say for one of the upcoming releases from either the MCU or DCEU so I guess we we'll, hopefully those will be good so I guess uh, we'll see what happens when it comes to that but for now folks uh, we will of course see you next time with Superman and the Mole Men and of course uh, as always thank you so much for listening to the show and supporting us we will see you then stay super ciao my people have a nice day mm-hmm.